One week season. One week season, fam. La Familia, welcome back. It is week two of our DFS FanDuel Labs show. We are recording on Thursday. This will go live on Friday. I am Mike Johnson, your host, M Johnson 86, as I am known in those DFS streets. We are excited to have you back here uh, once again. Focusing on FanDuel here, I'm going to bring in my esteemed guest, Maximus. How are we doing today? Howdy, sir. Good to Welcome be with you. Welcome back. What's yeah. that? Good to be with you again. Yeah, likewise. Had a lot of fun last week. Looking forward to uh, digging in again uh, for week two or um, overreaction season, as I like to call it. Um, but, you know, it's always interesting. You know, there's so much buildup to week one and so much excitement and then um obviously some people win but for most people it ends up being disappointing that's just the nature only so many people are going to have uh big scores in dfs so uh you know then you've got to get back to the grind uh and week two i think is always one of the more interesting weeks because you learn a lot it's the first time that you're seeing these teams actually play real full games um with all their guys uh but you're also, you've got to be careful not to overreact to things you see uh, because it's just one one week. We know football is highly variant. We know so much, uh, you know, in a given week can um, just kind of fluctuate. It could, you know, so trying to separate the signal from the noise is, is such a big part of really this like week two to four window. Um, this week uh, in the Oracle, I write the questions for the Oracle uh, one of the articles in the scroll. Um, for those who aren't familiar with one week season, uh, the Oracle is basically, a, I, I'll ask a series of questions, pertinent questions um, that are kind of lingering around the week, critical thinking points um, for that week's slate, that week's main slate. Uh, and I pose it, uh, the question, and then uh, myself, Hilo, JM, and Zandemir, all four of us will give our varying answers so um it, it's a pre pretty new uh pretty neat thing i think um kind of unique across the industry and you can kind of see how our minds kind of approach things differently um but if you're not familiar i highly encourage you to check it out uh, you can look back at week one um week one was free to everyone so even if you're not a subscriber uh, you can go to one week season and find our week one oracle kind of see what that's about uh, but I always think that's an interesting uh, thought process and exercise. So um, with that said, Maximus, how was your week one? Uh, mixed results. Could have been better. Could have been worse. Um, I entered the two five-entry max contests on FanDuel. Uh, um, one's a $7 a team buy-in. One's a $65 a team buy-in. I threw a few entries into the Millie, into their Millie. Um, which I actually did place one of those teams. So basically one out of my five placed in the money uh, in each contest. Um, on the uh, on one of the contests, I actually had a team, because one of the contests is only 524 entries. The other one, there's like 3,400. So it's a little bit mm -hmm. of a difference. But um, I did see our fellow esteemed colleague, Xander Mir, in the in the third spot. I was in the 10th spot, so I saw us both in the top 10. That was kind of cool to see at about 
uh, halfway through the four o'clock games or really into the fourth quarter of the four o'clock games. And then unfortunately things didn't break for us down the stretch, but it was cool to see us both there in our, in our uh, OWS discord. I wished him well the rest of the way. He did the same. You could probably argue that's a curse to do that or, or a jinx because the games aren't over yet. But, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely saw the potential um, of the teams um, in looking back. Always there, there's things you, you think about you could have done better in hindsight. But at the same time, I really didn't have any feeling of regret. It's like it played out the way it played out. And, you know, we move on to week two. Did you did you notice on FanDuel? Obviously, people watching this are probably playing a lot of FanDuel. Did you notice the change uh, in their interface that um, it was minutes remaining instead of quarters on desktop? Oh no, I didn't see that actually. Yeah, I when I was looking that. at it on desktop, I don't know if it was just mine was glitching or what was going on, but yeah, mine showed how many minutes were remaining. Oh, you know what? I know what you're talking about. There's kind of like a color code and it goes from green to orange. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did notice that actually. Yeah, yeah. Because it's always, they've always just done quarters, whereas DK did minutes. I always liked the quarters thing because I could just do the math on how many play, like when I'm scrolling through or looking at my live, okay, I have three players left or whatever going into the late games. Um, Right. The minutes. No, no, you you just joined my. Now I'm having to do math. You know, I'm already tilting, and now you're trying to put algebra on me? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, definitely an interesting thing. I know before we got on air, you brought up uh, a couple things. Um, you want to tell the people about your late swap decision first, and then also your, um, your I guess, unevaluated observation of uh, – or non-statistical observation of your 4 p.m. players? <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, the my late swap decisions, I had Austin Eckler, which I kept at running back. Um, I had um, – initially, I had Raheem Mostert in my flex spot. I'm trying to figure out who my other player was. Is it the tight end, maybe? Tight end spot? No. I had one other player. I had three players in total. I have to go back and look now. But I made a decision based on trying to do the math on some other teams that were around me. Because uh, you can't see, obviously, the who the players are for the floor, for the for your competitors around you. However, you can kind of calculate mm-hmm. how much salary they have left based on who's already played to know who most likely is in there if, if they have the flex spot remaining. And... Raheem Mostert and Cortland Sutton were at the exact same price point at, at 5900 And yeah, for some reason, I just made the decision, even though I did have exposure for sure to the Dolphins Chargers game and the Eckler Mostert skinny stack is in essence a good idea. But I just decided to move off Mostert to Cortland Sutton with no Jerry. Once, once I knew for sure Jerry Judy's not playing, Cortland Sutton's wide receiver one's probably not going to be his owned. And I need to catch up. I'm in catch up mode as well. It's not like I'm at first place where I can just sustain by keeping the high on players. And so I changed up to Cortland Sutton and it wound up being a stalemate. I think Cortland Sutton FanDuel points had like just shy of 12 and then Mostert had like 12.1. So it was like 11.7 to 12.1. So it wound up being, Cortland Sutton got a touchdown, but 
One thing I did notice with all three of my players, I can't remember who the third player is for some reason, because I had Eckler, it wound up being Sutton, and there was one other player. And in the second half of the four o'clock games, all three of them combined for like three points. <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? These are competitive games. And yeah, off the air, I asked Mike, is there any kind of statistic or metric that gives a historical chart or or uh, history of players who perform, what players' ex, uh, numbers are in the second half of four o'clock games? Because it seems like proverbially or historically with me, more times than not, my my late swap or four o'clock players, they just go dead in the second half of four four o'clock games. I can't figure it out. We know about Austin Eckler now, I think. He he must have been dealing with an injury because I noticed Joshua Kelly was being used. He was the lead back in the second half of the Chargers-Dolphins game. I think Austin Eckler was only in for a couple series, but now we found out reading some information that he's dealing with an ankle injury, so maybe that happened during the game and just nobody knew about it. Cortland Sutton, I don't know what happened with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson there in the second half. They just stopped targeting him. And then, um, again, I, maybe I should go back and look through the third oh. player. I know we, for time constraint we won't. Do you know, was it, do you know what position? Yeah. Not a defense, not your quarterback. So, do you know running back or receiver? So, it, go ahead. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get into I it. I can go look real quick and let you give, give yeah, the mic so, to you. You know, there's a couple things. So, obviously, you have the Eckler situation, and now we know – we know that he had an ankle injury that he didn't really enter the game with, or I hadn't heard anything about. So now he's dealing with that. So that obviously happened during that game. Um, so that kind of explains it there. He still did have 16 uh, carries and five targets. So it's not like he had like bad usage and he's never really been a guy that gets like 30 touches consistently. It's kind of why like Josh Kelly was someone that Hilo and I were all over on best ball as like a late round pick because as a um, contingent value if Eckler were to go down, but also just the fact that, you know, as the second running back there, he, he had a good chance, you know, in a given week, he could have eight to 12 carries and, and do something positive. Um, but the other thing with running back, you know, the biggest thing, a lot of, there's two things. So one is game flow. So if you have a running back, maybe they have a great first half, but if they're not a pass catcher, um, they can kind of get game scripted out in the second half. Um, and then the other way around, if you have a receiver, um, you know, and here's the thing is it's human psychology. It's cognitive bias where you are paying attention to your best teams there. So you're paying attention to your teams that are like doing the best and they're in, in a good spot, obviously there's almost certainly just as many teams where they're like out of it and you're not paying attention to them. And you have guys there who in the second half, they come alive. So it feels like you're always getting like the bad end of it. Right. Um, but like, really when you think about it, like, like a receiver, like if they go off and they have, you know, 85 yards and a touchdown in the first half, their offense probably was doing really well, unless you're Tyree kill. And then you just go bananas all game. Um, but a lot of times, like one of two things happens, 
their offense was doing so well that they get way out ahead and they're just not as aggressive in the second half. Um, and two, as a coach, and this is where JM and I both, we talk about like the coaching aspect and the chess match that goes on there. Um, but there's a, a coach being paid, coaches being paid millions of dollars on the other team. Uh, and there's professionals, uh, athletes that are playing too. So um, that team that's near the top, those guys who were probably doing really well early on in the game, that entire halftime discussion is changes in coverages. You know, were we giving a cushion? Now we're going to press. Were we pressing? Now we're going to back off. Are we going to flip, play more zone than man? Um, are we going to blitz and make the quarterback get it out of his hands quicker? So just all those things, it's usually like some sort of, it's either a game flow change or a schematic change or uh like there's an injury, you know, like, like happened with Eckler, you know, and like I said, it's, you know, I used to always feel that way too. Um, but really it's also kind of the point of why, when you do have like a, a lineup that, that takes first or, or is way, way up there takes, you know, top three, you kind of really have to appreciate it. Um, because it's such a thin needle to thread, you need those guys to do well early, but then, they can't stop at halftime or you just get laughed and feel, uh, feel a week of remorse. <laughs> All valid points. My only retort on the Eckler situation, however, in hindsight, you are correct that we didn't know he had an injury. That was such an uber competitive game back and forth, and it was going to continue that way. You can just kind of read the tea leaves going into the second half. That's why I was a little bit shocked at Eckler, but now we know why. I just at the time, I didn't realize that he was probably got nicked, probably had an injury. Yeah. They were serving him more. But it was oh, so yeah, at the time, you're like, what's dude doing on the sideline here? Because it was such an environment where he's – This is a competitive boat race here. What was what going on? Because I fully understand if you're up big, that's more understandable. They're probably going to use sparingly maybe in the second half if you already have developed momentum mm -hmm. in the game. But that game was like – the Chargers had to keep scoring just to keep pace with the Dolphins. And that's why I was like, by the way, I know the other player now, Tyler Higby, my tight end. Uh, okay. And he only got targeted three times. Now, yeah, that's because Puka, Puka and Tutu were going, going crazy. One buck so, wild. Right. All right. So I, uh -huh. to, uh, he was just being used more for blocking because they were doing so well. So, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I am going to pull up now for the people. We'll go through. Uh, lineup for you for this week again quickly i will remind everyone what this contest is this is the 30k sunday nfl touchdown five entry max uh it is 65 dollar entry so you this is the one you're talking about you put five entries in every week right um first place four thousand uh, dollars it does pay out what do we got here 131 places again so uh, yeah, you know, that's a that's a nice 25% of the field gets paid out. We kind of talked over that last week. So uh, really good structure there. Um, but yeah, I've got your lineup pulled up here. If you want to kind of just go through it and give me your thoughts and then I'll uh, I'll hop in uh, either during or after. Gotcha. Obviously, a lot of information we don't know yet, but the injury report already, it's littered with the uh, players that are either limited at practice or haven't practiced. 
And I do not have the benefit of the NFL edge. Guys, definitely always check that out on one week season uh, for the game write-ups. Very articulately done. But on the face of it, and obviously even Vegas point spreads are something that maybe early in the year, they're not quite as, although it kind of worked last week with the Dolphin Charger game, I guess, but not as ironclad as they tend to be more accurate as we get later in the year. But based on what I've looked up so far, uh, this practice build, I'm so far pretty uh, comfortable with. So we have Josh Allen starting at the quarterback. Obviously had a lackluster game last week. Some of these choices are based on recency bias that you can use in reverse because a lot of the field tends to, you know, if a player doesn't do well, maybe they're not as on the next week. But as JM teaches, one every four games with these, you know, type of players, you know, you're typically, they're going to have a, a 4X style week as far as, well, maybe not 4X on FanDuel, I guess more of a 3X. But um, so we have Josh Allen, bounce back spot at home. Um, the team total, implied total is 28, which I believe right now is the highest team total on the board um, for the week so far. So um, he is a rushing quarterback in essence. However, I chose based on the price points to double stack him this week with James Cook. And then you also see Gabe Davis there a little further down. I believe James Cook got six targets last week in, a, in addition to his rushing. Yep. So clearly they're, they're trying to use him as the passing back as well. So I have Allen paired with Cook and Gabe Davis. I have the bring back of Devontae Adams. Now there is injury news, obviously, to monitor with him. But at 7,500, <laughs> I think Devontae got nine targets last week. I mean, he's just a target monster. He's the focal point of their offense. They're going to be playing from behind, most likely, in catch-up mode. And he's going to be Jimmy G's safety blanket. He, Jimmy G's a veteran, knows how to use a receiver like that. Okay, and then we have Jameer Gibbs. Now, there was a report I read where Jameer Gibbs, the coaching staff, was planning to open him up even more starting this week. Uh, it's actually a report you can read uh, by his name on the, on FanDuel as well. 5800 I think, is a great price. That game, I believe Seattle and Detroit played each other last year, and it was a complete shootout. Mm -hmm. uh, don't have any Seahawks on yeah, don't have any Seahawks on this team, but it may not be a bad idea to do a skinny with uh, Jameer. But at 5,800 and the report saying that he's going to be utilized even more, and he flashed me on the screen in that uh, KC game last week when he when he did get his opportunities. Um, then we go down to T. Higgins, which I know <laughs> if anybody used him last week would be very hesitant to probably go there this week. But I did look. He got targeted eight times. So it's very rare to be targeted eight times and, and have zero points. I, I expect him to have a bounce back to a certain degree. It is a tough defense with Baltimore. It is a divisional matchup, which always can go kind of get muddy. But at 7,000, he's kind of my onesie in this case. I'm not really looking to stack that game, but he serves as kind of a good onesie for me there and mm -hmm. in a spot where he's probably not going to be very under-owned, I would imagine. Uh, I do want exposure to the Kansas City-Jacksonville game. It, it, it's, it's really hard. Kansas City is such a spread-out offense. Don't really know about Travis Kelsey yet, so this could change as well if I know that Kelsey is like 100% good to go. But 
Evan Ingram at 6,000, even though Ridley had that monster game last week, Evan Ingram was targeted six times. Mm-hmm. And uh, he does have seven points, which as bad as the tight end spot <laughs> is looking to be, that's actually not a bad uh, output for, uh, for week one for him. So I have Evan Ingram in the tight end spot to get some kind of exposure to that Casey-Jacksonville game that I think you, you're probably going to need to. And then if we go scroll down a little bit more, I can't see it at the, at the moment, but I think it's um, – uh, I have Debo Samuel in my flex spot. And uh, Debo was – I know the Ayuk was the story of week one, but Debo got targeted plenty, got some rushing opportunities. He's going to have his day. I have a feeling C-Mac, Ayuk, Debo, they're going to take turns, I think, each week, somebody having a, a big game in that in that Niners offense. So, And then also in the flex spot, that's my one kind of late swap opportunity where there is a few other options around the same price point if you felt like you wanted to go with something else, depending on how your team is doing. And then the Dallas Cowboys defense goes without saying. For me, that's just a – a lock button this week that they're at home. They're playing against Zach Wilson on the road. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that they're not going to have somewhat of a positive result there. So a little bit of an explanation of the practice build here and all yours, sir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, I, there's a lot of things I like about this lineup. There's also uh, a couple things I want to touch on some ideas. Um, first, uh, we'll start, we'll, we'll work backwards from where you just ended. The Cowboys defense, uh, $4,500 um, at home. And I mean, forget what they just did on Sunday night to Daniel Jones and the Giants, you know, but just like this is the hypothetical that was going through my mind uh, yesterday, Tuesday night, and then yesterday is if think back to last season. If in if on January 10th or January 1st of this year, so like you know, week 16, I mean Nathaniel Hackett was getting fired and was pretty well across the board thought of as maybe the worst NFL head coach in history. Uh, and Zach Wilson had been benched um and was like <laughs> complete train wreck. And now you have a Nathaniel Hackett offense led by Zach Wilson going on the road to face a team that just absolutely decimated um, (laughs) what was last year, a very good offense. Um, I know there was rain on Sunday night, but like if if you would, if I, if I went back in time and told uh, January 1st Maximus that Zach Wilson quarterbacking and Nathaniel Hackett offense was going to be playing on the road against maybe the top defense in the league. I mean, what would their price have to be for you to not play them like 8K? I'll do the Zeke, eat the chalk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> and you know, the thing I, the thing where this really sets up and I do, I think they are just like you just lock button them is the way this week's slate sets up because there's only four late games and, um, they're not like high profile, like projected high scoring games. You have the, uh, I'll scroll up. You've got the Niners at the Rams. You've got the Giants at the Cardinals, Jets at Cowboys and Washington at Denver. Like I think um, the highest total there is like 45, the highest game total. 
So you're not going to have a ton of lineups that have a bunch of guys playing late. Um, and what this Dallas defense does is you can just lock button them. And because of their late start, you've also got some ugly offenses there. So when you look at the rest of the defensive player pool, you've got options to where you could late swap. So like you could go up $500 or five, five K the Niners um, are a late defense. So if you've got at least one other, you could swap from say Cowboys and Debo, you could move to uh, the Niners and then you got to go down 500 from Debo. And then you're just looking for anyone, you know, assuming James Connor's healthy, he's at home against a Giants team traveling across the country. Javante Williams in his second game after good usage. Um, what else do we have here? Marquise Brown, George Kittle. Again, you talked about, you know, you, you know, that would be unique, a tight end in the flex. Um, and you talked about how those Niners guys might just be kind of rotating who has the big game. Um, Jahan Dodson, explosive player, uh, maybe benefits from Terry McLaurin facing Patrick Sertan. You know, there's just a lot of options there. Um, and it gives you, you know, to your discussion before about um, your late swap decision from last week, you know, if you're in a really good spot and you're just trying to hold serve or you, like you got a chance to win it and, and you're, you know, the only people you have to pass are guys who don't really have people playing, you, you can just hold serve and play that, that, you know, smash lock button play in the Cowboys. Um, but defense is highly variant still. So if you need to make up some ground, you know, you can swap, you could go up to the 49ers, you could, uh, you know, you've got the uh, Giants at $100 less um, facing Josh Dobbs, you, know, you could go way down, um, you know, there's some, uh, the Rams, you probably wouldn't want to touch, uh, but you know, the Jets defense, the Jets defense might be the best in the league. I mean, they were incredible on Monday night. I mean, you want to talk about ultimate uh, leverage with how high owned, you know, with what, you know, I shared my thoughts on the Cowboys and that's kind of the most likely outcome, but also Dak has struggled for years with interceptions and turnovers. How many times have the Cowboys let us down when we thought they were going to be, you know, an elite play and, and it was just like going to be a walkthrough week for them. Um, so, you know, it, you save $800, uh, there you get all that leverage if you know if um, you know if things work out you and then you've got options where you could actually go up from Debo Samuel um, so I think that yeah I really like how this lineup is built um, not just in terms of how it's built initially but the options um, that it gives you based on kind of how things play out from there yeah no that's a good point about that the Cowboys are in the late window too um it's always good to have two spots probably for late swap that you can kind of maneuver and uh, yeah, just see how your team's going to that point. Last week, the Cortland Sutton move is really because I, I knew I needed to catch up. I wasn't already on top. If I, if I would have been kind of like, I'm trying to sustain where I'm at, I probably would have stayed with the Mostert Eckler. Right. And uh, so, yeah, it's all a case by case basis there, but yeah. Yeah. And that's why chalk, you know, chalk players in general, but I think defenses, especially when it, when it's, it's, it's just such a good spot and you find yourself like, man, this is really hard to stay away from, you know, some, I think that sometimes people get so worried about 
chalk. They they make like suboptimal plays, but when you have that late window, you can just roll with it. And as long as you're going to be available or whatever, you know, you can wait till you have more information to make that decision. Um, you know, do you need to be concerned about ownership or do you need to be concerned about, you know, maximizing points and, and not, um, you know, from your late swap decision from last week? Like if you maybe you, you know, I've had times where I've had it built the other way. And I kind of touched on this last week um, on our, our video like if you had Cortland Sutton in that lineup, um, but you were in first place, you might actually swap to the chalky guy because you're like, oh, I don't need to take this risk. I just got to hold serve. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that, that those are the types of little things that when you get into those spots, you just want to be prepared for and, and kind of have those thought processes. Um, I like where your head's at with uh, the Bills stack, Alan Cook and Gabe Davis. Um you know, we just talked about, I just talked about the Jets defense, how great they looked. Uh, that'll be interesting. Completely agree on um, Devontae Adams with his skill set. And I mean, Jacoby Myers took quite a shot. I'd be pretty surprised if he plays this week. So he I mean, actually, he actually didn't even practice on Wednesday. He's still yeah, I mean, he's got a bad concussion. I'd yeah. be I'd be shocked if they played him the way that the league handles those things now um with the hit he took uh so yeah i mean and it's you look at uh adams is 7500 and josh jacobs is 7500 as well so i mean both of those guys are for what they're capable of and how concentrated that offense is going to be um i mean assuming both play and are fully healthy or close to it uh yeah, they're going to be 70% of that offense. Um, so if they're able to, uh, if, if the Allen Cook, Cook Davis trio is doing well, the, the Raiders are scoring probably 20 points, you know, 17 to 24 points, which means, you know, at least one of Adams uh, and, and Jacobs, if not both, are, are having a very good game. Um, yeah, T. Higgins is kind of the poster child for what we talked about with, uh, the overreactions to week one, you know, he, I think he was, he was top three or top five in the league in air yards in week one. He was getting targets down the field. Just the Browns defense looked legit. Joe Burrow looked rusty and, you know, sometimes things just don't work out. Um, you know, Ingram, I think fits, fits nicely in here. I, you know, I'm guessing looking at this lineup, he seems like, uh, the lineup was built around some other thoughts. And then he was probably one of those last couple spots where you're like, okay, like this is a game that I like getting exposure to. Um, he's a guy that, you know, has a, has a high ceiling. Um, so I'll take a shot there. Is that relatively accurate for how you got there? Exactly. Yeah. He was, I, I looked at that game. I'm like, well, that game has the uh, one of the other, highest uh not just team totals but also the game environment as a whole and uh, i figured i need some kind of exposure to that game most likely it's it's you know could easily be a shootout it's in jacksonville as well um and then to touch on the Devonte adams jacobs just briefly if you're entering five max i would definitely recommend if you're going to target this game which i'm doing on this practice build 
have Adams on one, have Jacobs on one, maybe have Adams and Jacobs together on another team. And that's kind of the, uh, the freedom when you're doing five entry max to kind of leave no stone unturned. If you're attacking that game environment to kind of, you know, do different combinations that, uh, that are uh, give, getting exposure to these players that are such high volume. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, you know, Gibbs and Debo are just guys who their skill sets, I think, for for FanDuel are perfect because they're not necessarily guys that you're consistently going to expect at this point. They're getting a ton of volume, which on DraftKings, a lot of times that volume is so important because it's full point PPR. You get the bonuses uh, for 100 yards, but um, they're explosive. You know, they can make some big plays um, and they can they have the skill sets. I think every, anybody with eyes probably saw the same thing as you and I, that Gibbs was like incredible. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where I, he's an interesting case study. Cause he, so he only played 19 snaps last week. Right. And, well, it's like, um, you know, how do you project that on spreadsheets and stuff? How does that, and then how does that play in projections? And then how does how does that play in ownership projections? And then, you know, I think the, this is one of those situations where depending on the contest, there's going to be a big swing in how owned he is. Um, I do kind of have, you know, my one thought on this, as you were talking about Gibbs, because um, I do think they're going to use him more. If you look at uh, last week, he had seven rush attempts and two targets. They're at home now. Uh, it's week two. I think he'll get more snaps. Um, but, I mean, more is could be somewhere in the 11 to 14 uh, opportunity range as opposed to nine. Um, really, you're hoping that, you know, that Kansas City-Detroit game last week was, as far as game flow, it never really, like, got, got going. Um, so, really, you're hoping for that to happen, for the game to really get going. So, I think that um, – you know, I never like to use absolutes, but on Gibbs lineups, I think that um, at least one Seattle piece is probably what you're going to need. Um, just from the standpoint of I that game up, yeah, Seattle, Detroit. Uh, just from the standpoint of one of two ways he gets there, right? It's either the game gets turned up by Seattle scoring. Um, and so that's, that's a thing where like Kenneth Walker was the lead back last week. Um, people don't like playing running backs from the same game, uh, very often, but Walker had 12 rushes and five targets. And then, uh, Zach Charbonnet, who was his expected backup, he just rushed three times. Um, Walker was on the field way more. Their offense kind of fell apart in the second half with, uh, they had a couple offensive line injuries, which I think are actually going to be an issue for them again this week against a very good Detroit defensive front. Um, but either way, you know, if Gibbs is, if Gibbs is having a, a big game, um, you know, a big game to the point where it's like, Oh, like you had to have him. Um, it's either because Seattle got out on top uh, and then Gibbs was used more because he's like the passing down the, the in space guy. Um, or because he broke off a big play and kind of got them a lead. And then, you know, guys like uh, 
Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf uh, would be really interesting. Um, so, you know, that's kind of, I think he's a great play regardless, but that's that's one of the the things that I was thinking as you were going through the lineup. If you could click on Jameer Gibbs real quick, there's a big write-up as well. And while I know it's not wise to get too deep into coach speak, because sometimes it could be the reversal of what they're saying, uh, it's a pretty big write-up about how he could see an increased workload in week two. But to your point, maybe that could be just a few more than what he had last week. Uh, also, to your point, uh, two points. Mike Johnson's fan duel course, guys, you got to get it. And I will hearken back to one thing you do mention, that is you are, especially on FanDuel, looking at players who can break big plays, who can have big plays that are capable of scoring a touchdown from anywhere on the field. It looks like Gibbs is that kind of player. And then I'll just uh, – my last comment is – also, to your point of maybe getting a skinnier exposure, Gabe Davis is the same price point as Tyler Lockett, I believe. So that could be another route. Maybe I could go there with uh, Gibbs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, and there's you know there's lots of options. I think, but I you know I think the the nuts and bolts of this lineup are, are really good. And and I mean it's not like you have to. I mean that the way Seattle's built, walk you know they have Kenneth Walker. And then they have Metcalf, Lockett, and Jackson Smith, Najigba. Um, yeah. So I mean, they could, they could theoretically, that could all just be spread out. None of those guys have more than like you know, fourteen point, fourteen, fifteen points, and you didn't have to stack him up. Um, you know, so it's, it's not that you necessarily have to, but he is a guy that um, I think finding ways to uh, correlate him, you know, makes a lot of sense. Right. Yeah. Um, trying to think, is there anything else you want to touch on before we uh, let the people get, get on with their days? No, I think we're good for now. I mean, we're waiting on news, obviously, and I'm sure I'll be mixing and matching and kind of, uh, I'm actually traveling this week. So I actually don't know if I'm going to be able to max enter because I like to be kind of center of gravity for the late swap possibilities to kind of, I work better on a desktop. If I'm checking from my phone, it gets a little more of a hassle for me. But, um, but yeah, if I have the time while I'm on the road, I'll, uh, I'll if I know I have the time, I'll probably do my typical five max. But nice. I'll, I'm sure I'll have a couple teams at least. But yeah, so far, um, I like where it's going, and we'll uh, we'll continue to see what materializes. Yeah, for sure. Well, interested to see. Uh, excited to see when that. Uh, when Devontae Adams scores his third touchdown to pull the Raiders within uh, 42 to 28, I will. Uh, it's funny, you know, before we go. So two years ago, I won uh, the FanDuel. Uh, what was it? The Rush. It was like 40 grand I won. Um, it's like the whatever the $10 tournament is, um, 9 or $10 tournament. So I won that in week three. And it was kind of a similar situation where uh, the Bills had started that year uh, really poorly. Um, the first two weeks, they had not done well. And then week three, they were at home against Washington. And um, I played Josh Allen, and I got him at like 5% or something. Uh, everybody was off of him. And I had him stacked with Emmanuel Sanders, I still remember. Yeah. Um, and had the Antonio Gibson bring back. 
Uh, Gibson broke like a 75-yard screen pass in the first half, and Allen ended up with like three passing and two rushing touchdowns. And uh, the rest, a lot of other things had to go right too. But um, this, uh, when the Bills were um, falling, looking awful, when Josh Allen was looking terrible on Monday night on my screen, uh, I went and looked. I'm like, well, I hope they're on the main slate on Sunday, so maybe I can repeat history and get off the schneid here. So Capital, capitalize on potential recency bias. Yeah, for sure. Yep. This is, this is the time to do it. Cause you know, as the season goes on, sometimes those, those things you're seeing are a little more predictive. Like you've got a little more evidence, but yeah, you know, Monday night in New York on nine 11 top defense in the league. Like, you know, I, I I'm going to give Allen a pass there. So. Uh, but yeah, that'll do it for this week. Good luck to everyone building your FanDuel lineups. Hope to see you uh, in the one-week season Discord. Check us out on Twitter. Check out the website. Again, uh, we have a free um, a free level of subscription. You can read the NFL Edge, all our game breakdowns for free. Um, and we do have weekly options as well. So come check us out. Uh, once you get there, I think you'll, you'll want to stick around. So uh, thanks again. And we will look forward to catching up again next week with Maximus's breakdown of his GPP winning lineup. Good luck, everyone. See ya. One week season.